Well, this is our second week of what's become something of a vision series. Last week, um, Diz and I were speaking about um, the vision, where we're headed as a church, as we understand it from what we feel like God is saying to us. Um, and then with that, um, spoke about some of the priorities um, that we see as a church that we really want to press into over the next six months or, or longer. And um, if you weren't here last week, um, I wouldn't normally try and recommend my own talks. Uh, so I'd recommend listening to the second half of the talk when Dizzy was speaking last week. If you listen to that talk, then you get a pretty good idea of what we're about as a church. Just as a recap, um, our vision, our dream, when we look into the future, um, what we are believing for is for God to set his church, the church, on fire. Um, and when we, when we talk about the church being on fire, we're talking about um, God reviving, reawakening his church with his power and his presence by the Holy Spirit. And what we believe that is, if the church is on fire, then our town will come to life every, on every level. If the church is on fire, and we're believing this not just for our church, but for um, all the churches in this local area, if the church is on fire with the power and the presence of God, what will flow out of here will be the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and that will bring life. And so our, our vision, if you like, is that we would see the church on fire, that we'd see Feltham come alive. And then in terms of our priorities then, what are we, what are we pressing into? Um, and just to restate them really quickly, um, prayer is the top of the list. Um, we want to continue to prioritize corporate, pe- corporate prayer in particular. We, I, I've been struck by this Charles Spurgeon quote, um, who was like this famous preacher from back in the day. He said um, that prayer is a slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. And uh, when we pray, um, God responds. He moves. He changes things. Prayer is not just throwing words into the sky and hoping for the best. We are, we are addressing our Father in heaven who hears our hearts cry and responds. Uh, so prayer is absolutely foundational to everything we do. And so I'd love to invite you to be press, well, invite you to press into it with us as we look ahead. Secondly, um, we want to have a real focus on family. We want to see the youngest to the very oldest. And right now, I'm getting the most amount of encouragement from our youngest member in the congregation. I know they aren't cries, they're encouragements. I know she's saying, preach it, Andy. And I appreciate it, Florence. Um, So we want to be a church that welcomes the very youngest to the very oldest. We believe and we see in Scripture that everybody has a role to play. Age is not a determining factor. Um, And so we would love to see our children prophesying and and outworking the will of God in their lives in the same way we'd love it to see amongst the adults. Um, And so we're going to make space for that. We're going to, we want to keep pressing into all age worship so that everybody's involved. It will mean it is carnage. But then when a family gets together to eat a meal together, how often do they all sit there beautifully with perfect manners? Never. And so we, we want to embrace family in, in all its goodness and all its mess and see where we end up. Um, one of the great markers of the kingdom, and Malachi says that he wants to rest, God wants to restore the hearts of the fathers to the children, the children to the fathers. And uh, we know that we've done our job when the generations 
are united, not divided. So that's family. Young life, um, we want to focus in on reaching young people. Judges 2.10 uh, tells us the story of how Moses and all of his, sorry, Joshua and all of his buddies, they all died, and a whole generation came up from underneath them who ne- neither knew the Lord or what he'd done for them in saving them out of Egypt. We're at a risk in this moment in history of a generation coming up from un- within, underneath us, younger than us, who neither know Jesus Christ or what he's done for them. And uh, we have a mandate, if you like, or I kind of think not on my watch will there be a generation of young people who don't know who Jesus is because we know that Jesus brings life. So that's what we're focusing in on, making that space for for young life. And then mission, we're going to give you loads of opportunities leading up to Christmas uh, to get on the high street, lead carols, sing carols, really push ourselves as a congregation in sharing our faith not something that we want to keep to ourselves. And I know that for some of us, that's, that's a scary prospect. Um, but it's also very, very exciting, particularly um, when you get to have some wonderful conversations with people about Jesus. So there are four um, priorities. We look ahead, prayer, family, young life, and mission. Um, and today, what we want to do is Really, so you've got these lovely little books here, um, which I'm going to re- refer to in just a second. But if we want to be a church on fire, then we need to be a church full of Christians who are on fire. People who love Jesus and long for the power of God to be coursing through their veins. And our hearts is that you would grow deeper um, in your relationship with Jesus and you'd move forward in your faith. Basically, what our hope is, is that you will love God more, that you get to know him more. You'll become more like Jesus in the way that you live and that you through your life would demonstrate the power and the love as the Holy Spirit works through you. You won't be able to contain it. It will leak out of you. And so this morning, what we want to do is offer you seven practices. I'm going to, I'm going to whistle through them as quickly as I can. Um, seven practices, seven priorities um, that, I, that I would love to invite you to try and build into your life. And Dizzy and I are trying to build these into our lives Um, And my hope and prayer is that as you do this, as you do some of these things, as you make some of these disciplines or practices part of your daily life, um, you will deepen in your faith, you will love God more, you will love others more, and you'll get more excited about the mission of God um, in your life. Um, So this Sunday, uh, after, you know, if you do the vision talk, the next one would typically be Giving Sunday, um, where I'd be uh, teaching you about uh, the importance of generosity and then handing some cards around that ask for your bank details. We're obviously not going to do that today. Um, (laughs) Yes, we are. But uh, (laughs) it is in the context of something bigger. Um, Today, we're not calling it Giving Sunday. I think a better, better... a better way of describing it would be all in Sunday. Um, this morning, what I want to encourage you as you hear this, this vision is not respond to the vision, but respond to God. Um, and that that would be reflected in your whole life. Let me start with a couple of disclaimers before uh, we get into these seven things. Um, firstly, don't try and add these to your current way of doing life. You are really busy people. You have a lot of pressures going on in your life. So I, I, like, I want to acknowledge that. You are so busy. So these things, like, if, I won't want you to walk away and think, oh gosh, here are seven more things I need to add on to my already very busy life. Um, what I'm asking actually is something even more difficult, which is for you, as we go through this, to self-reflect and think, what are the areas of, the, of my life that I need to shift and change in order to make this 
practices a priority. Um, so don't try and add them to your life. The second disclaimer would be don't do a deep dive today. Okay, don't, don't decide, right, I'm, I'm going to get up at six o'clock every single morning and spend an hour and a half with the Lord for the rest of my life. Um, that's really, really hard to sustain first day off. <laughs> you, know, I, I, you know, when we do these barbed in a year plans and you launch in on January 1, I often think that the enemy um, uses the Bible in a year to remind Christians how hopeless they are at sticking to things that they said they're going to do. Um, and so don't, don't do a deep dive today. What I'm asking is we've self-reflected. What are, some of the, what are some of the starting points? Let's see this as a starting line. What are one or two things that you could adapt and change um, and do to deepen your faith and then grow from that? Um, some of you are excellent at the things I'm about to talk about, um, and some of you are not. Um, so be kind to yourselves. Um, build it in nice and slowly. Um, the heart behind these things is um, for your relationship with God to flourish, for your life, in fact, to flourish. Um, and I don't want you to hear these things as kind of overbearing, kind of, you have to do these things. We're not under law and rules and regulations. What I'm offering you today are some things that I think will enrich your relationship with God and enrich your relationship with each other. Um, and please don't walk away thinking these are seven rules uh, that if you're not doing them, then you're not welcome here, because of course you're welcome here. Um, and some of you may find that you're just going to focus in on one or maybe none for the moment as you discern the way forward. So there's no pressure is what I'm essentially trying to say to you. Um, another disclaimer, there's a few of them. We know that you are all adults, so I, I, don't, I don't want you to feel like I'm speaking to you like children this morning. Um, so when I offer these things to you, please um, take it as that. Um, one of, but that said, one of the prophetic words, and those of you who don't know that kind of word prophetic, one of the words that people said that they felt like God was saying to Dizzy and I was um, that they could see us becoming something of spiritual parents, if you like. Um, and that the congregation will be one that we get the great joy and delight of, of teaching, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to become all that you could be in God. Um, and so we want to take that responsibility really seriously as pastors and as the, you know, that kind of spiritual parent. At the same time, we don't want to be condescending about that because you are adults. But I want you to know from behalf of Dizzy and I, we love you guys. And we know that God has such wonderful plans for your life. Um, and these things this morning are, are a way of encouraging you to step closer to your God um, and to live out his plan for your life. Um, so that's the heart behind this. Please hear that. And lastly, I have got none of these nailed. So that is my confession to you. <laughs> I have tried all sorts of things over the years um, to deepen my relationship with God, each of these seven practices. I, I sometimes do them. I sometimes don't do them. It's all over the shop. So together, we're journeying forward um, with all of these things. They're the disclaimers before we dive in. Now, can I encourage you with these books? The way that I'm going to do this today is I'm going to offer one of the seven things, or each of the seven things. I'm going to do it briefly because we're gonna, this, this will serve as a, a sermon series in the future. Um, but one of the things I'm going to do is John Wesley, and it feels apt that we talk about John Wesley in a Methodist church. He had this holy club, and in the holy club, what he used to do, that's the first time I've said holy in a really long time. That felt really Australian. Um, uh, holy club, uh, just, just in case you need the translation. Um, he had this holy club where 
they would ask themselves 22 questions, 22 discipleship questions um, that caused self-reflection. You know, one of them was, how is the Bible living in you today? Um, did you prayerfully consider how you use your money? So it, they had these wonderful questions that just caused self-reflection. And what I'm going to do today is going to offer a couple of questions just to help kind of frame and diagnose um, maybe where we're at and where we could grow into. Does that sound all right? Okay, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to dive in. Um, Lord, we thank you that you love us, um, you long to be in relationship with us, and so Lord, we offer this time now. Um, Lord, may this be received um, this morning as an encouragement to draw closer to you, to become more like Jesus, and to do what he did in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here goes. So I'd encourage you, I've given you this book because I'd love you to scribble these seven things down. Um, if, I don't know about you, but I get very easily distracted by all sorts of things. And this might be a helpful way just to, to track with me as I go through each of them. Um, so here's the first one, is um, God's presence. That's a first priority, the first kind of practice, a practice and intentionality, I suppose, of being in God's presence, prioritizing communion with God, being with God through worship, through prayer, and through waiting on him. We, we as, I mean, this, this is not new stuff necessarily, but we were designed to be um, a people of God's presence, to be walking in the presence of God. And, you know, in, in Genesis chapter 3, um, just after the fall had happened, when, you know, when, when things just went pear-shaped, we read in, in Genesis 3 verse 8, Then the man and the wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden at the cool of the day, and they hid themselves. And, and, and this clearly was a practice for Adam and Eve, of, you know, how creation was intended to be, that in the cool of the day, when all was said and done, when work had happened, they walked with God presence. And that has become of primary concern of the church. For Christians, you take King David in Psalm 51 verse 11, do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Again in Psalm 27, one thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. Moses in Exodus 33 said, he said to God really boldly, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. There's a sense in which for Moses, he encountered the very presence of God in that moment of the burning bush and his life was ruined for it in the best possible way. And I'd love you to maybe take a moment and just reflect on those moments, if you've had them, when you've sensed the presence of God and what happened to you in that moment. Um, for me, it was when I was a 16-year-old, the very first time I experienced the love of God. I was lying in my bed. Um, I may have told some of you before this. I was lying in the bed. I was just praying, and I was thanking Jesus. And I was, I was just telling him, actually, as a 16-year-old, which was a very strange thing for a 16-year-old to be doing, but I was lying in my bed just telling Jesus that I loved him, that I was his, that I wanted to live for him. And what happened as I was lying in my bed is what I saw was like a, a dove, Light over my eyes, very cliche of God. Um, uh, a dove flew in front of my eyes, and it, it was there. I was struck, overwhelmed with the presence of God. And as in that moment, then I started to speak in 
what, um, what the Bible refers to as speaking in tongues, a, a, a prayer language in which your spirit, um, we believe that we, you know, we are, we're made up of emotions and physical and we are made up of spirit. Your spirit communicates, communicates the inexpressible to God. English so often lets you down. And the gift of the Holy Spirit, particularly speaking in tongues, enables you to communicate that which you can't communicate otherwise. And that's what happened to me. And I had this wonderful, powerful experience of the Holy Spirit that transformed everything. Um, and kind of ruined for everything else. And so that's what I want for us. You know, I want us to be people of his presence, people who prioritize God's presence over and above everything else because it will fulfill you and he will fulfill you and satisfy you in in ways that you can't imagine. So here are some questions for you um, for you to do a little self-assessment, self-reflection when it comes to your practice of spending time in God's presence. Um, Whose presence do you long to be in more than any other? Whose presence do you long to be in more than any other? Um, Who or what is your heart turned toward? When it comes to your identity, what are you most or who are you most defined by? Who's your identity formed and shaped by more than anybody else? And then when it comes to how you use your time, what is your thought life, your imagination and your dreams, your use of time and how you'll spend your money reveal to you about who your number one pursuit is? As I was reflecting through each of questions that suddenly to reveal to me that God's presence is not the number one thing in my life and I need to start adjusting that. My, my pursuit, the presence of, of, was not God, it was, it was my family, it was all sorts of things. And there's an invitation here to prioritize the presence of God. Here are some practical tips um, that you might want to try in terms of being intentional about the presence of God. Um, so firstly, uh, in the in the, the book of common prayer, and sorry, in, sorry, in the da- common prayer, the daily office, that's the one I was looking for, daily office. I wore my dog collar just so that I could talk about the daily office today, it, which is like the prayer book of the Anglican church. Um, in lots of ways, it's, it's beautiful. In lots of ways, it's very religious. Um, and it can be what you make it. I, if you read through it, it's beautiful. But we, the, the first prayer that comes out of it, it says, as we rejoice in the gift of this new day, so may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love for you now and forever. Begin the day with a prayer that says, this day is a gift, and what I want is your presence. Um, and that be your opening prayer that you say, and so may the light of your presence, O God, set my heart on fire with love for you now and forever. Um, Secondly, um, make it a practice to be present to the Lord's presence during the day. So always be mindful about how can I give thanks? What do I need to say sorry for? Um, Are there moments of worship? It might be that you want to adopt like a Franciscan prayer like some people do. (laughs) You may not. (laughs) But what what the Franciscans do is that they, they just, with their breath, acknowledging that our very breath is a gift from God, they breathe in and say, my God, my all. My all. And you're just practicing the presence of God, being aware of his presence throughout your day. At midday, maybe putting a reminder on your phone um, to pray the Lord's Prayer. 
um, I've started doing that again. So I've got a reminder that comes up and I, I sometimes pray it and other times I don't. I'm going to make it more of a practice where I do. And then at the end of the day, there's a prayer. Uh, this is Benedictine. I'm going all like some of these old spiritualities on you. But there's this prayer called the Prayer of Examen, E-X-A-M-E-N. Um, and in the prayer of exam, it doesn't need to take more than five minutes, but there are four R's um, that may help you kind of just remember the Lord's, the Lord's presence. So you replay the day, um, you rejoice in, in what you've seen God do or what's gone well, um, you repent of the things that maybe you wish you'd done that you wish you hadn't done, and then you have a moment of reboot where you look ahead to the next day and say, tomorrow stays yours and go to sleep it doesn't have to take more than five minutes but really helpful practice this is one i've been really bad at doing because i often put my head on my pillow and like, so uh, it does again involve some discipline but these are really simple uh things that could, could potentially easily be put into your day um i recognize too that it, some of you have uh, little children which might make some of these things a little bit diff- difficult but i think this this one this the one practice of trying to be present to the presence of God throughout the day. So uh, I heard a preacher speak about how, you know, it might be that you're changing their nappy and they didn't wee all over you. So you say, thank you, Lord, <laughs> that that didn't happen today. It's just little practices of keeping the Lord at the front of your mind. So that's the first priority, um, presence, making space for God's presence in your life. This is really the main priority, one of worship, of prayer, of waiting, um, walking with God. Secondly, um, is formation. It's asking the question, um, who are you becoming? Um, it's, it's looking at our discipleship or our apprenticeship to Jesus. And the reality is, we're all discipled or formed by something. And our culture is a very, very strong discipler. Um, it, it looks to form and shape you into its own image. And you see that in all sorts of ways, telling us what to think, how to behave, how, what to wear, how to use your time, all these kinds of things. Our culture is a really strong discipler. We're all going to be discipled by something. There is a formation process that's happening in us, regardless of whether we're aware of it or not. And so my encouragement to you, and that's why we made, I've made this number two, is to be intentional about who or what is forming you, and what are you being formed into? So the goal of a Christian is to become like Jesus, to live and act as he did. Um, And we know that if we look at the person of Jesus in the Bible, we see a guy who's embodied with love. He cared for the last, the lost, and the least, and he showed us what the good life looks like. Um, So our goal is to be like Jesus. And so my encouragement to you is this, that we, we're intentional about our time spent reading Scripture, learning it, applying it. Um, and in, the, in, in a moment in history where we've got a case of pretty extreme biblical illiteracy, um, it feels like there's a moment for us to press into the Bible, even if it's just reading a tiny bit a day, and allowing God to speak through it. And what we are doing is we're kind of shifting our gaze in one sense, and, and allowing Scripture to inform or be the lens by which we look at the world rather than the world be the lens by which we look at Scripture. And uh, so I'd love you to encu- I'd lo- encourage you to, to have a daily practice of, of reading Scripture, asking the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it, and then apply it as best you can. 
2 Timothy 3.16 says this, all scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Um, and as we read scripture together, um, you will be formed into the likeness of Jesus. So a couple of questions for you in terms of your self-reflection when it comes to um, your formation um, is, who is, the, who is most influential um, in who you are becoming? What is the loudest voice that you listen to? Um, who, who is shaping you? Secondly, who do you allow to speak into your life? Um, some of us are pretty good at saying, oh, you can't speak into my life, and you kind of create an island, make yourself an island. Who have you invited to speak into your life? Um, how honest do you feel you're actually doing right now? And what shapes your world view? So as we do this formation, I believe that as we spend time with Scripture and so on, it will shape the way we view God, people, and the world, and it will form us into being good friends, good spouse, good parent, good work, work colleagues, all these kinds of things. It will, have, it will pay dividends in the way that you live your life and how you interact with the world. So a couple of practical tips. Um, after I've got through the third one, I'm then going to start to fly, okay? Um, so practical tips. Um, do see if, if you get on your phone, there's a new version um, or another one called the Bible Project. Both of them have Bible reading plans. Um, and so if you sign up to one of those, then you can start to read through Scripture. Um, what I would say, again, is um, don't set the bar so high um, that if you miss a day or two, um, you don't feel like a failure. Um, so we're, we're easing ourselves into making this a daily practice of reading Scripture. Um, and so combined with that, Instead of trying to read huge chunks of scripture, maybe pick a word or a verse and just sit with it. Sit with it for a week, a month. Um, again, not setting the bar crazy high to churn through quantity of scripture. What we're looking for is quality time spent in scripture and allow God to speak to you. So it might be Psalm 46, verse 10, be still and know that I'm God. Be still, okay, stillness of God. And it might be you need to sit with that sense of stillness um, for a week or so. Third, um, try to memorize a verse every now and again. Because um, you'll find that when you do that, it kind of, in, in moments of need or when things are tricky, it's amazing how scripture kind of bumps into your mind if you've memorized it. Um, I find that that's a tremendously helpful practice. Um, so maybe, and if you want some, some good Bible verses to memorize, I'll give you a whole list and I'll, let me know and I'll send them to you. Um, fourth, um, Talk about it. If you've got a verse or something, grab some friends, have some other Christians, and just chat about some of the things that you feel that the Lord is speaking to you about. Um, and that will do. So how can you make this a, a daily um, practice of getting into Scripture and allowing God to form and speak to you through the Bible? Okay, the third thing is um, Mission. Um, and this one really is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, so what, what, the reason why I've called it mission is because what often happens is when we wait on the Holy Spirit and allow him to fill us and guide us, it normally outworks itself in mission. It normally switches our gaze off ourselves and onto the world. It normally involves the breaking of our heart for the things that breaks God's heart. Um, so Actually, praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you is a pretty dangerous prayer, actually, um, because it, it, it's basically saying yes to 
for what God might want to do in and through you. Um, and so that's what we've called it, mission. And that's really shaped out of Acts 1.8 um, when, uh, when Luke in Acts writes, but you receive power, well, Jesus said this, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. When the Holy Spirit fills you, you become a witness. Your very life becomes a testimony to the things of God. I believe, too, within this sense of mission, this is where we, we're going we're gonna to experience, well, God is going to release creativity um, in the way we do mission. Songs to be written, poems, artwork, whatever it might be. This is the moment we're filled with the Holy Spirit. He will, he will release creativity in a way that people will listen and look and go, oh, that's beautiful. Um, and so we need some intentionality about this, about allowing the Spirit to fill us so that he can do remarkable, godly things through us. And when I say mission, I'm, I'm, I'm talking in the broadest sense possible. So the Anglican Church, again, um, has five marks of mission, which I really grounded in Scripture. Um, so when we're talking about mission, we're talking about proclaiming the good news. We're talking about nurturing new believers. Um, it's about responding to the human need by loving service. It's about transforming unjust structures of society to challenge violence of every kind, to pursue peace and reconciliation. And fifthly, it's to safeguard the integrity of our world, to creation and sustain and renew of our life on the earth. When the Spirit fills us, there's a sense in which we become carriers of the kingdom of God and everything that we see that's at odds with that or broken or whatever, we, the, the spirit through us would long to transform that. And so I'd love you to make that a daily practice as well of asking the spirit to fill you afresh um, and, and you're essentially saying, use me. Um, so a couple, of, a couple of questions for you in terms of how you're doing in this um, what sustains you, comforts you, and empowers you on a daily basis? What sustains you, comforts, and empowers you? Is it money? Is it status? Is it sex? Is it relationship? Or is it God? Um, what leaks out of you? You know, you know we talk about, I have a tendency, and the Lord's working on me of being sometimes a little bit passive-aggressive. Like, I, 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 fear, you know, I feel things, and I, I become cranky, and then it leaks out in the most awful, ungodly, sinful way, if I'm to confess again. But what leaks out of you? What overflows out of you? What are you full of? And then what's your focus in your life? Is it in or is it out? Or if we were to put it another way, if you're honest, are you a bit of a navel gazer? Um, because if the Spirit is in work, at work in you, you'll find that your gaze shifts and it will be off yourself and on to others. So a couple of practical tips on this. Um, <clears throat> I heard of a pastor who made it a practice every day to start their day on their knees. And they asked the Holy Spirit to use him, lead him, and fill him, and essentially ask God, what is my assignment that you've given me this day? Um, so starting the, right at the beginning of the day to say, God, fill me, and you use me. And that be kind of your starting point. 
Um, And then secondly, to have a disposition whereby you're attentive to what the Holy Spirit might be saying in a given moment. I like to think that the Holy Spirit is speaking all the time to us. Um, He's he's doing things in people, whether they're Christians or not Christians. uh, And so there are always opportunities for us um, to speak the things of God. So there's, if if you like, these are the, the first three are like our pillars, all right? So we want to be people of his presence, people who prioritize formation, and people who prioritize mission. And these three things will be the things that will then underpin our small group life when that is launched, hopefully in January, where we'll have small groups that will be prioritizing one of the three. But you, you, you can't really separate the three, just to be clear. You can't spend time in God's presence and not be formed into his likeness and then be propelled in mission. You can't focus on scripture and not be drawn to God's presence and then propelled in mission. You can't do mission and not have the heart of Jesus and be in likeness of him and then not experience the presence of God. But what we're going to do is if there's areas that you'd like to press into, so it might be, you know, I really want to go deeper in the Bibles, then join one of these formation groups that are going to be about going deeper in the Bible. It might be that you want to go deeper deeper in his presence. So join that or, or mission. So we'll, we'll talk more about that later. All right, I'm going to fly through the last, um, the last four because um, I'm conscious of time. Sorry, there's lots in here. Um, so the next one is who are you going to tell or who are you going to teach? So when you are spending time, the presence of God being formed into his likeness, being propelled into mission, um, what ends up happening? We see this in Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. They, the disciples said before the authority, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard. And so um, we want to be people who are ready to tell of what we've seen and heard. If God does something in your life, let's tell each other. Let's teach our children. Let's tell people outside of this place. Um, and just make that, oh, who, who should I tell about this? Who should I talk to about this? I've read something in Scripture. Who could I, t- who could I tell about that? And it become something about every day that it's in our mind think oh gosh this is good news I would like to tell somebody about that and so in terms of some questions for you to be thinking about who are you praying for is it your children if you have children is it some of your friends who are you praying for and how, being intentional about this asking God to give you opportunities to talk about um, our relationship with God um, secondly who are you telling Combine with that, when was the last time you spoke to someone outside the church about your faith? Um, and that, that's, that's possibly a scary one. And, and I guess, you know, if you take a step back, like, is this even on your radar? Um, often it's not on mine. And I think this, it's a matter of putting this onto our radar. Romans 10, 14, it says this, but, you can, um, but how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust and how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can, who can be trusted? And how can they hear if nobody tells them? And so we have a wonderful responsibility to be carriers and proclaimers of the good news. So here's a couple of um, practical tips. Um, firstly, um, think about your children if you have children. Or think about our children if you don't have your own children, but there are children in this church. Think about how, how we pass in the faith on how we teach children about who God is and, and his love for them um, and make that a priority. I find uh, actually that in my life, off, the busyness of it, that often gets lost. You know, our, our, at the time, our prayers with our children is kind of like the last kind of <laughs> the last thing that you need to get over in order for them to be unconscious for, you know, eight, nine hours. Um, so asleep uh, is probably a better word. Um, and so... <laughs> Uh, and so prayer uh, with them, you know, it's, it's a means to an end. 
for you know, a bit of freedom for us. But how can we make that meaningful? How can we engage them in prayer? How can we teach them the Bible? And what does that look like here? Um, so I'd love, love your help with, um, with that. Um, pray for three people. Be intentional about praying for three people um, that, that you know really need the love of God in their life. Um, and then make that a daily practice, trying to remember to pray for them, praying for opportunities to speak to them. Um, and then that's the last thing. You know, in the morning, when you wake up, uh, it's almost like, Lord, would you give me an opportunity to talk of my faith today? Because I think he's orchestrating opportunities all the time. And we just need to make the most of them. So that's number four. Tell. Who are we telling? Who are we teaching? Um, then after that is giving. Um, and I'll do this one quickly as well. Um, just to say, as a church, I said this last week, Christ Church, and we made a decision, Dizzy and I, that we wouldn't see who gives what and when and how. Um, but we have seen kind of the, the, the amount that you're giving as a whole. And gosh, it's encouraging. You are incredibly generous people. Um, we are grateful. And in one sense, it's, it's not that we, you know, it's not that we're grateful. I think, you know, you are contributing to a vision and you're making a difference in Felton. And, and it just, it's an indicator to us that you're on board with the vision. Um, and so we're really grateful um, that you give in the way that you do. And um, we've given you this giving card today because, you know, we, we, we became a charity. We became a legal entity. On Wednesday, actually, I signed a BMO. So we're actually legal in the Church of England too now. So you know, it's, yeah, every little. Um, and, uh, so, um, we, and that means actually the bishop will come and I'll probably get my robes again. Um, some of you may have seen my robes this morning. I went down to a little service down the road. Well, it's quite funny. This is an aside. I'll give you a little break from this intense sermon so far. Um, I, I was in my robes, and I got out of the, uh, what was very different service to what I'm used to. Um, but I loved it. It was amazing, but I, it, was, it was different. And uh, I sat in my car, and I turned it on, and it was just like the radio station was going on. It was like, you know that, that song, um, Moves Like Jagger? Uh, like, started blaring in my car. And I'm like in full Anglican robe, get up. Moves like Jagger. Anyway. Felt like a very, yeah, felt very odd. Anyway, that's an aside. <laughs> Thank you for humoring me. So um, anyway, on, on the next slide, so with that, we have a new bank account. And at the moment, our giving goes into a St. Stephen's account, which was our sending church, our planting church. We want to move all of our giving into our Christchurch account. Um, having it going to St. Stephen's is needlessly complicated. Um, it was necessary, but it is needlessly complicated. So we want to move all of our giving over. And so my ask of you today um, and during this week is that you would transfer your giving over to Christchurch. And these are the bank account details. You can do that by filling out this and handing it in. Again, I won't be looking at it. Um, or you can do that yourself online. And it might be that you just take this card with you because it tells you everything you need. What we do need is a, a tick of gift aid because uh, that makes your money go further. Um, but apart from that, I think it's all pretty simple. Um, and I'd encourage you as you do this um, to, to pray and to reflect why are you giving to this, this church, this vision at this time um, Let's, let's make it something that we're doing with some intentionality rather than, oh, I go to church and therefore I should give. Think about what, what difference is this making and how much can you reasonably give. And think, you know, it's all about being joyful as we give, um, not under any sense of obligation. So when, I, when we talk about giving, one of it is I, I like to split into three. Uh, we've, got, we've got time, talents, treasure. I've been speaking about treasure. Now let's move on to time and talents. Um, where... 
one of the best things that we can do as Christians is to give. Um, so much of our culture is about taking. We want to be people who give. We give of our time. We give of our talents. We give of our treasure. Um, time and talents. Um, uh, time is one of those things, isn't it, where um, it's different from talents. Talents, when we're contributing our talents to the life of the church, we feel like, yes, I'm in my sweet spot. This is good. Life is good. Um, time is different. Uh, time is when you're giving of things that aren't necessarily you may think are slightly below you, like changing toilet rolls and other such things. And what we need at Christchurch is um, people who are willing to give of their talents, but also people who are willing to give of their time. Um, to, to pull off a service on a Sunday, it takes over 20 people on team. Um, and as a small church, there's quite a lot of people uh, in terms of hospitality, um, welcoming, kids' church. Um, you know, we're moving towards youth. Um, and so there, there are all sorts of ways that you can get involved and um you know we have this wonderful problem that our kids church is growing um we we have what i'm now describing as growing pains and um which means that the amount of team that we had sunday by sunday is not enough um and so we in in the heart of kind of family we all get together um i'd love you to consider you know once a month getting involved with kids church um is crazy um, really fun though. <laughs> you get this wonderful opportunity to invest into the younger generation and seeing them come up in, in, in faith and into them. So I'd encourage you to think about that. But there are loads of other ways to get involved. I know um, Sam would love to speak to you about hospitality and welcome and all that kind of stuff. Um, we, we just need everybody involved. Because we're a small church, we don't have thousands of staff or any. Um, we it's one of those things where we, everybody needs to get involved. So giving of your time and talent, some treasure that happens within the church context, but it also um, within your life. And so a couple of questions for you to think about um, in terms of giving. Um, how generous are you, honestly, with your time, talents, and treasure? Um, if you were to open your bank balance up right now, have a look at it, and look at all, the, look at all of your outgoings, all the things that you spend your money on, what does it tell you about yourself? Um, I once put my bank statement up in front of a whole group of 20s and 30s to do this illustration. I think I've told you this before. And uh, I didn't look at it beforehand. <laughs> and um, I was like utterly embarrassed as I was looking at, oh gosh, I did spend a lot on haircuts and all that kind of stuff. And it, it really, you know, and lots on clothes. And, and it actually didn't say anything about my generosity at all. In fact, it, to it told me um, that <laughs> I was pretty selfish and I spent my money on myself. So um, what does your bank statement say about you? What does your diary say about you? If you look at your diary and in terms of the time that you're, how you use your time, does it speak of a generous person? Does it speak of something else? Um, and a little disclaimer, another disclaimer for you. Um, can I just say, in terms of saving and wanting security and being responsible for your family, that is all part of being an adult. Um, so when we talk about being generous and so on, we want you to be sensible. <laughs> You know, don't, don't decide today I'm going to give away 90% of my income because that would be irresponsible. It would be massively helpful for the church budget. Um, but then there's a chance we'd probably just give it back to you in discretionary funds. So, um, <laughs> so if I can encourage you to be really wise about how you, uh, with these things, um, and, you know, being secure, having a promotion or whatever it might be are good things. Um, and often they're viewed as really negative things. But what I'm asking uh, that kind of tr transcends that, if you like, is how generous are you? Um, so that's giving. The next one is the one that has been absolutely smoked. 
This one has been absolutely smashing me of late. Hospitality. We've been reading in Acts, haven't we, about what happens when the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of the human heart and the result is a movement of the gospel. And when the gospel moves, hospitality is demonstrated. We read in a couple of times in Acts 2 and Acts chapter 4 that basically poverty was eradicated in their community, um, that those who were in need were, were taken care of. People were selling um, all sorts of things in order to make sure that people were okay. This is hospitality. This is demonstrating hospitality. The hospitality is not hanging out with your friends um, in, in, when we think of it in Acts. Hospitality is hanging out with people who you wouldn't ordinarily call your friend. Um, hospitality is taking care of those who, who don't have. It is, taking, it is befriending people who don't have friends. Um, it is, um, it's, it's another way, I suppose, of being generous. Um, and I've, I've actually found this really, really challenging of late because I tend to like to hang out with people that are my friends because they're my friends. Um, but I find in scripture our role as a church is to become friends with those, that, well, the three L's that are often thrown around, the last, the lost, and the least. Um, what does it look like for us to be a church that demonstrates hospitality? What does it look like to invite people into our homes from different cultures? What does it look like for our um, church service to be one where we are hospitable to people who have um, different needs? Let's say if, so, if someone was to come here and couldn't hear, how, how are we demonstrating hospitality to them? Um, and I think this is an area we need to mine into. Um, what does it look like for us to welcome people in who ordinarily wouldn't fit in? Um, it's about belonging. It's not about fitting in. It's not. So how do we help people belong? Um, and so here are some, these are probably the most probing questions of all of them in terms of self-reflection. Um, <clears throat> have you formed any cliques that prevent new people from breaking into it? Have you become comfortable with your friendship circle and it's difficult for other people to break into? If you're honest, do you hold any conscious or unconscious prejudices about certain people or groups of people? Are there, are, are you, if you're honest and you, you, you think about hospitality, so I'm willing to demonstrate hospitality to a certain group of people, but not them. A biblical definition of hospitality is having really no, no, no rules, no barriers. We are thinking about what it looks like to take care of the other. This is, this is kind of where our compassion is outworked, um, our inclusion is outworked and the way that we take care of people. So I think that's a really important one for us to kind of mine into because I think that's one of the markers of the church that the world needs to see is radical hospitality. Hebrews 13 um, says, don't forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, some of you have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Wouldn't it be terrible if an angel came across our path and we had an opportunity to demonstrate hospitality and we didn't, right? That's awkward. That, that will come back to bite us. So um, let's make that a, a marker of who we are, hospitality. Lastly, Sabbath. Um, so if our, our first three, I'm sorry, I've gone on and on and on, but our first three are presence, formation, and mission, and they kind of are the, the pillars of what we're about. The outworking of those pillars, that, that Christ is at work in us, will be how we tell and teach how we, how we are generous and how we demonstrate hospitality. And this last one is like one that's just been on my heart quite a lot um, in terms of 
how we live our lives as people. Um, I was listening to a pastor in the U.S. talk about this, and he's, it was a topic, soul care was how he kind of framed it. And he started looking at some statistics around depression, anxiety, our busyness, the rates of burnout and addiction that we have in our culture. And it was like overwhelming, actually, as I, as I heard it. And it made me realize that we're in a moment, I, I suppose, where um, we, are, we, we often say we're time poor, um, which in one sense is ridiculous because we all have exactly the same amount of hours in a week. We just choose to use them in different ways. And um, so what we... What I want to encourage us is to be building rhythms of Sabbath. And just to make this like, take it to the next level. You know, this is a commandment. God said, remember the Sabbath. And uh, if it's good enough for God, he worked for six days and the seventh day he took a rest. It's good enough for us. And we are not designed, we cannot work seven days a week. Um, it will kill us. Um, and so having rhythms of Sabbath are vital. My definition of Sabbath um, which I think is mostly scriptural, I think it's totally scriptural, um, is, is to rest, to rest from your work, and then in that, that 20, and we're going to call this a 24-hour period, in that 24-hour period, to rest from work and to take the time to enjoy God, enjoy your friendships, and enjoy the world. Do things that you enjoy. Do things that, that give you life. Do things that keep you thankful. Do things that are going to help you to rest. Um, and if we're doing that, basically what we're doing is we're living in opposition to the, the, like the fall, uh, you know, when, when sin first entered the world. So we're living in opposition to that. So in the Genesis chapter 3, we see that the consequences of sin are, are the deterioration, well, the, the destruction of our relationship with God, um, the destruction of our friendships with each other and the world. We see that, don't we? We see that, uh, you know, there's lots of people far from God. We see that across the world there's wars, there's injustice, there's brokenness. And then in creation, well, you know, it's all over the news at the moment at the state of our planet. And so what, what we're doing in, in Sabbath moments is to, is to walk in the new kingdom for a 24-hour period, you know, being really explicit about it, enjoying God, enjoying our friendships, and enjoying creation. So go and have a long walk. Grab a cup of coffee. Um, have a chat with a good friend's. Make sure during that day you're spending some time with the Lord and being thankful for all that he gives you and take a break once a week. Here's a couple of questions for you uh, to see how you're doing a Sabbath. Um, how is your relationship with your phone? Uh, is it the, thing that you, the last thing you look at when you go to sleep and the first thing you look at when you get up? On a day off, are you still a slave to it? You should never be a slave to it, but you know... What would happen if you turned it off for 24 hours? Um, I suspect it'd be very, very, very unlikely that someone would die if you turned your phone off. Um, so how's your relationship with your phone? How's your relationship with work? Does it bleed into everything? The reason why I'm asking these questions is not to be harsh, but to say, gosh, you know, we want to be in this for the long haul. You know, our children, they don't want to be able to look at us and think, well, you know, dad overworked, he didn't engage with me, and then he burnt out. Like, what? It's not who I want to be as a father. Um, how are your real-life relationships? I was struck. I've been so busy recently that I've neglected some really important friendships to me. Um, and I need to get that in check. Um, so if your relationships are suffering, your friendships are suffering, how rested are you feeling right now? When was the last time you rested? On a scale of 1 to 10, where's your, where's your joy at? 
I think often the more you rest, the greater your joy. When was the last time you did something that you really enjoyed? Something that, that brought you life? Um, practical tip for this one, <laughs> take a day off. <laughs> Once a week for 24 hours. There you go. There's our seven things. So prioritizing his presence. Prioritizing and in being intentional about who is your formation process. Mission. Who are you, who you telling how generous are you? Are you demonstrating hospitality? Sabbath. Now, I'm conscious of the time, but I want to take just five minutes, um, so I hope that's okay with you, church. But what I'd love you to do now is do a little assessment. Take a moment, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in and through some of these things. Write down one or two things that you'd like to try and do. Remember, the heart behind this is we want to see a people who are flourishing in their relationship with God and actually just generally flourishing. Um, and also, um, with that giving slip, do, do with that what you need to do um, in terms of swapping it over if you'd be so kind. So I'm going to take a moment. I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit and just take a, you know, scribble down what you need to scribble down. You know, decide what you want to do in terms of all of these things. And we're going to keep coming back to these seven things all the time because I think they're going to be really, really important uh, in the life of our church. They're really going to shape us. And I think when I dream about what a church on fire looks like, it's where these seven things are happening. Prioritizing his presence. Prioritizing our faith. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're here. And just in these couple of minutes we have now, <clears throat> we ask, Lord, would you speak to us? Would you help us to be honest about how we're actually doing with some of these things? Thank you, God, that you're kind. I pray, Lord, that we today would take baby steps, not deep dive, just baby steps, in building these practices. I just encourage you just to take a couple of moments, just writing, just praying, whatever it might be.
And so, Lord, I ask that as we, as we think about these things, um, all it would do, all these practices, priorities, would serve to lead us closer to you, would deepen our love for you, would form us more into your likeness, and will put us in a position to be used by you as the Holy Spirit as it work in us. Um, Lord, we, we ask for each of us as we think this through, um, and as I think this, this stuff through, and I continue to try and put it into practice, Lord, we ask for your help. We ask, Lord, that you'd help us to be kind to ourselves. Um, Lord, help us to make the, the tricky, difficult um, decisions that might need to be made in order to, to make some of these things a priority. Um, but Lord, I pray above all that we'd, um, we would be a people of your presence, that we long to be in your presence, that we would um, be people who know your love because we've experienced it. Um, Lord, I pray that uh, it'd be, it would be the thing that would give us, your presence would be what gives us joy. Your presence would be um, the place where we find fulfillment, where we would flourish. We pray, Lord, that you wouldn't move us or send us to do anything um, in our lives or in Feltham or anything else as a church unless your presence goes with us. We echo the prayer that Moses prayed to you um, in the wilderness. And we, so we welcome your presence. We're going to prioritize your presence. We're going to be people of worship and prayer and waiting on you. Why don't we stand then as I, uh, as I pray a prayer of blessing um, and we'll, we'll draw our service to a close. I encourage you to receive this. One of the great joys that I get um, in our service is to, is to remind you that God blesses you and that he's with you um, everywhere that you go. And so may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you be gracious unto you. May his presence be with you. May you know his manifest presence with you. And the blessing, oh, and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit rest upon you. Now, and for all those people you're praying for. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Well done. You got through the seven things unscathed. <laughs>